Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk, Happy Hour Radio. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Well, hello, Seattle. Hello, Puget Sound, and welcome to Happy Hour Radio. It's happy June time. I hope you're having a good time at home or uh, on your way to someplace special, someplace tasty and delicious. I'm here in studio with uh, with the Mercer family, the family of wine and uh, viticulture and agriculture, and uh, we're going to have a great time talking about Mercer Estates. Um, it is June, and uh, you might be at the Seattle Center right now at uh, the 20th anniversary of Elysium Brewing. Um, they're having a big party, and uh, I'm almost there. I'm waiting for you guys to show up so we can have a good time. But uh, um, it's June, and I hope uh, you got a great graduation. Father's Day is coming up. Remember, you can always go out to Woodenville for wine tastings and head out to uh, Prosser and uh, Tri-Cities and Walla Walla, Yakima, etc. The east of the mountains is always a great place to take Dad and Mom and actually your date or whatever to have a good time. Check out uh, YakimaValleyWine.com and Prosser Wine. Country, I think the website is, but uh, lots of stuff out there. And uh, take some time to celebrate Dad and celebrate Washington wine. And uh, speaking of Washington wine, I've got the Mercer family here. I've got Rob Mercer, who is uh, CEO and uh, head forklift driver and viticulturist and so much more. And Jessica Manel, who is a uh, Shadow San Michelle alumni. She's uh, worked in Walla Walla, and now she is resident winemaker at Mercer Estates. So, Rob and Jessica, welcome to Happy Hour. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for having us. Yeah, so excited. Um, a name that's been around for a long time in Washington. Let's start with you, Rob. Tell us about the family. Uh, when did you become Washingtonians? Well, we became uh, Washingtonians uh, in 1886. So been on the ranch uh, in the Horse Seven Hills uh, for four generations now. That's uh, cool. Do you, uh, is grandma and grandpa close by, or are they in a grape site <laughs> so, someplace? So, yeah, so uh, grandpa and grandma were uh, the first to actually settle the uh, the homestead out there, So which we, which is in the bottom of uh, Dead Canyon, uh, which we call now Dead Canyon Ranch, is where the original home site was. So It's not a very promising name to right, start a... Right, I know. We, we had a label called that once, and uh, we don't anymore, but uh, as you might imagine. <laughs> oh, let's see. That reminds me of Blackwood Canyon, yeah. which would be another guy <laughs> yeah. who's probably no longer around. Um, so the Mercer family, uh, where did uh, the family come from? So uh, came from Kentucky uh, via Virginia, uh, via kind of a Scotland, so Scottish background, I think uh, we've been here in the in the U.S. for about eight generations now. So okay, and yeah. I see you're wearing some sort of plaid. I'm not sure if that's the family colors, though. <laughs> well, actually, it is the colors of the winery. Is so it really gray and green? Yeah, oh, gray yeah. and green. All right, I don't think that's an NFL team yet. That might be Canadian <laughs> Football League. Uh, so, how long have you been in the wine business? I mean, you started. We were were you growing grapes in 1886? No, uh, the the family planted in 1972. So as a as a young kid, I worked in the vineyards, uh, mostly planting vineyards at that time. Uh, so yeah, we've been uh, been involved ever since then. Uh, so the first estate was called Mercer Ranch, right? 1972 yeah. planted, now known as Shampoo Vineyard, and right uh, it was started by. Uh, well, at the time, it was really still a, a, a family uh, business where all the brothers were involved, which would be my dad and his two brothers and my grandfather. Um, but my Uncle Don was uh, really the emphasis behind the, the original planning, which 
which interestingly enough was Cabernet, uh, huge still in in Washington State. But uh, yeah, th- that started in 1972. That's great. I remember when I was uh, at the Rainer Club and I, I had a wine from Mercer Ranch, and I'm trying to remember was it. Andrew Will? What what could it have been? I don't think it was Powers. It was uh, another prominent winemaker that used uh, Mercer Ranch on the label, and I can't remember. Yeah, definitely uh, uh, Andrew Will had that, uh, and I think, um, well, it it was probably Andrew Will. Yeah, all right, that makes sense. We had a lot of Andrew Will wines, and Chris Camarda, great winemaker. So um, 1972, um, the vineyard was started with Cabernet Sauvignon. How, How large was that vineyard at the beginning? So uh, I think the original planting must have been in the first year five acres and then went to ten, uh, and then we planted five acres. Right? Yeah, sounds was, like nothing. Well, it was at uh, the time it, it was, was probably a, yeah, pretty big. It was a pretty big adventure. Um, we actually have some old photos of uh, Walter Clore out there with my grandfather and my uncle, and you know, planting those first vines. And there was, of course, it was all done with overhead irrigation at the time, and yeah. uh, they're just now switching that over from blo- the original block one. Are just putting on drip, um, so long time uh, overhead system. Yeah, and uh, Walter Clore, obviously one of our godfathers of Washington wine, came over from Oklahoma State. He was an asparagus farmer and had a PhD, and uh, basically believed in in uh, Vitis vinifera in Washington State. Um, I have an award called the Walter Clore Honorarium, and I'm pleased to join many great sommeliers and wine people to have that award, including Dick Boucher. Dick Boucher has got that uh, award. So uh, Mercer Ranch, uh, it was sold, I think, in what, 80, no, 92, 91? We've been debating that. uh, So I was actually gone uh, at the time. I went, uh, was in college, but I believe it was 91. 91, yeah. Yeah. So... uh, not positive, but I think it was 91. <laughs> Close enough. Yeah. Um, and now, of course, it's changed hands. It's called uh, Shampoo Vineyard. Correct. And uh, there's something called Baby Poo, which I thought was kind of cute. Although, you know, you don't want... <laughs> there's some things about wine you don't want to have connotations with. But uh, um, it's the, the vineyard has grown immensely, considerably since then. And I think it's, what, in it's like 70 acres now or something? Uh, no, I think it's um, I think it's larger than that. I think it's around 100 and... 30 or so yeah. acres now, yeah. Yeah, even double that. Yeah. Um, but of course, still making great wine, and really one of the principal vineyards in the Horse Heaven Hills Appalachian. Uh, there's a couple other, but uh, with 72 rootstock, um, pretty cool. Yeah. Um, how many wineries, and, and do you have any more affiliation with that vineyard? You've grown, you've started your own estate vineyards now? Right. Yeah. No, uh, not other than just being good neighbors, no. Yeah. And so you're you're now uh, the Mercer Estates uh, abuts the Shampoo Vineyard, or where is it in location of of that area? Yeah, well, primarily to the north of of the original vineyard is where our our property is north and northwest. We have some property uh, down at the would be southeast of there, right on the on the uh, Columbia River, uh, kind of in between the gap of uh, Canoe Ridge. So abuts, in fact, part of it is on Canoe Ridge. So. So two different areas. Yes, and how many acres are you farming uh, with grapes? A uh, fair amount. Um, so there's <laughs> throwing some yeah, there's a, fastballs there's at a, you. There's a couple thousand acres up there now. Holy so. smokes! And obviously, you probably have some big customers like yeah. uh, Sam Michelle and perhaps you, Precept or. Well, if you've got that many acres, you've got some big customers. Yeah, yeah. and uh, we we we're definitely partnered up with Saint Michelle and uh, love what they're doing, and so we're. We're supporting those guys uh, uh, in a big way with the vineyards. How many varieties are you planted there at your big acres? <laughs> well, on the on the, the the main farm, it's it's uh, primarily Cabernet, 
but we also have um, Syrah and Merlot uh, in, in uh, smaller percentages. Uh, for our own wine operation, uh, which is primarily down spice cabinet, we've got a lot of varieties. We had probably 18 or 20 down there. Yeah. So oh, spice cabinet, spice cabinet. It's named oh, spice cabinet yeah. because of all the varieties we have down there. Yeah. Oh, so, so fun. Yeah. Um, chatting with Rob Mercer, and what's your title, Rob? Um, Chief. Uh, <laughs> Caretaker. Yeah. Chief Caretaker. <laughs> CCT. Yeah, there yeah, you go. That's it. Okay. Well, um, cool. Um, You've uh, been making wine for how long? I mean, how long has Mercer Estates been producing wine? Obviously, you so in 72. But... Our first, yeah, our first vintage uh, as Mercer Estates was 2005. Mm-hmm. And so, who was the winemaker? Did you have someone local? Did you have a family member? Uh, David Forsyth started. Oh yeah, David Forsyth, yeah. and he's been uh, one of our um, perennial winemakers for Washington State. Done a lot, and uh, very cool. You uh, brought on a um, a young lady. Can I say that? Yes, she's young. I'm sure. old. I know that I am. Uh, Jessica, um, tell us about uh, your winemaking history. How did you get involved with the grape? Well, I was studying horticulture at WSU. Go Cougs. And uh, that led me to doing some research for uh, Dr. Wample, who was at WSU at the time, and all, he did all the research on wine grapes. And Dr. So, Wample? Yeah, Dr. Robert Wample. He's now down in Reminds Fresno. Reminds me of Mr. Whipple. <laughs> <laughs> so he's where? He's a six he's, feet under the ground, you said? No, Fresno, Oh, um, oh unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, another um, uh, great uh, agriculture great, yes, capital? Yes. So that was my introduction to the wine industry did my master's all on wine grapes and started my career as a viticulturist for St. Michelle Wine Estates. In Interesting. A- so you, um, Washington State had a, uh, a viticulture program to become a viticulturist? No, nope. it was so my my ma- master's in, is a uh, horticulture, but my research was all on wine grapes. Interesting. And uh, was Thomas Hennick Kling there? Or, not or, yet. Not yet. Yeah. So um, very early on. Did yes. you have any other classmates that uh, went on into the uh, wine industry or fermentation no. industry? Nope. Wow. Lots of apple growers. Lots of apple growers. <laughs> okay. So uh wonder where they are now. We're still growing apples here in Washington State. Of yes. course, uh, we have a little competition now because we showed, we taught everybody how to make, uh, how to grow great apples. Um, when did you first make uh, a wine? What was the year that you, your first vintage? 2003. I quit my job as a viticulturist and traveled to Australia for okay. harvest. Ah, which area? South Australia, South a small Australia. family-owned winery called Bleasdale. Bleasdale. Is mm-hmm. that in uh, Victoria or Adelaide? It's uh, just outside of Strathalbyn. Strathalbyn. Yeah. I don't know that place. It's about 40 miles east of Adelaide. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Adelaide's a cool little town, kind of like Seattle. It's yeah. got uh, a, a bay and um, a harbor, I should say, and uh, quite an old little town. It's kind of funky. It's yeah. got some 60s input and then some, obviously, it's the old... It's got a college great, there, so it's got some youth. University of Adelaide, yeah. Yeah. Fun stuff. So what was the first wine you made? So I was a harvest intern at Bleasdale um, for the 2003 vintage, and then I came back to the States and was lucky enough to land a job at Snoqualmie Winery mm-hmm. as an enologist. So... Uh, did two vintages that year, so oh, 2003. Oh, remember the winemaker for Snoqualmie. Joy Anderson. Joy Anderson, yes, mm-hmm. very nice lady. Um, and Snoqualmie has gone through a couple uh, uh, evolutions. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were like one of the first organic or biodynamic wineries. Organic, yeah. Yeah, yeah. here in Washington, and that's pretty cool. Yes. So uh, you worked, um, I know that they made primarily whites and reds. Obviously, that's a dumb statement. <laughs> 
<laughs> no rosés though, and I see you brought a cool rosé. Um, but we're working with Joy, what what did you learn? That what did, what sort of grabbed you? I mean, you wanted to get into grapes. You did your study, and you mm-hmm. said, "I want to make. I want to be punch downs. I want to do remontage. I want to do racking." Is that what like turned you on? Yeah, my experience in Australia definitely. You know, I, I was bit by the bug to continue with winemaking, and Joy was kind enough to let me incorporate some of the things that we were doing in Australia, like um, you know, Delastage, or in Australia they call them rack and returns, and um, we made a lot of Syrah at Snoqualmie, so we did some of those rack and returns on Syrah, and what her winemaking style, she's a purist, and um, you know, she was just had years of experience, such an intelligent woman, and um, it was great just to, to get to work under her for a couple of years before moving on to Chateau St. Michel. Okay, so that's so that was the course. It was uh, Snoqualmie first, yeah. then uh, Viticulture, says Chateau St. Michel. No, I actually moved no, on to from Snoqualmie to Chateau oh. St. Michel as an assistant winemaker. Uh, great, and so you said you earlier on you were making reds. I mean, you didn't hear that on the air, but you said reds, right? Yeah, so when I, so when I left Snoqualmie and moved to Chateau St. Michel, I was um, there enologist and then eventually assistant winemaker just in the red facility. And is that in Patterson? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And uh, was uh, was it Munoz, Jorge? No. What's who's so, the uh, Oka? Well, that's the he's the Juan, winemaker for Columbia Crest. Oh, okay. All right. Did, but you this, so it's different. So Columbia yes. Crest and San Michel actually separated even though they use the same facility. Two separate facilities. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I've yeah. only seen one. Interesting. Yeah. So Chateau St. Michel's red facility is Canoe Ridge. You uh, might just, uh, for fun, ask her who her husband is. Um, okay. <laughs> Who's your husband? You married? Juan Munozoka, the head winemaker for Columbia Crest. Sorry. <laughs> just kind of funny. Right. I thought you knew that, but obviously. <laughs> I did not, and I'm trying to remember all that stuff. Because um, I, I feel like, I've, even though I've, I'm on, on this show and it's so fun, I feel like I'm a little bit uh, out of it when I'm not on-premise anymore, getting yeah. all those weekly visits and staying in the know. But it's great to have uh, both Rob Mercer and uh, Jessica Munell. Um Winemaker for Mercer Estates, and you've been there for just over four years. Four years. So, 2015 was your fourth vintage mm-hmm. or third? So that was my fourth vintage. Fourth vintage. All right. Yeah. And uh, you're making how much wine these days? We are making about sixty thousand cases. Wow. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm excited. You've got five wines in front of me, and uh, this is about time where I start to be a little parched because I'm chatting up and having a good time with Rob Mercer and Jessica Manel, winemaker from Mercer Estates. When we come back from this break, we're gonna start tasting some of the Mercer wines, and you're listening to Happy Hour Radio on 570 KVI. Big names, big news. Sean Hannity, weekdays 3 to 6 p.m., Talk Radio 570, KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends, and you're listening to Happy Hour Radio. Now back to Seattle, Somalia, Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle. Hey, Puget Sound, you ready for round two? Hope you got something great in your glass, because I'm looking at uh, two lovely colors of wine in my two glasses, because I had double fists, because we can do that on the radio. I've got uh, a white wine and a pink wine, and uh, I've got uh, a handsome fellow and a lovely lady. Jessica Minnell is the winemaker for Mercer Estates, and Rob Mercer is CCT, chief caretaker for the uh, estate that was uh, founded in 1886, two years before Washington, wait, three years before Washington was a state, and uh, you planted in 1972. So you now have a whole bunch of acres planted to a whole bunch of different grapes, including Spice Cabinet, which has 18 different varieties. 
I trust uh, this Viognier is one of those varieties. That's correct. All right. So um, vintage of this Viognier? This is our 2015 15, Viognier. brand mm-hmm. new. Um, so fun. And uh, let's talk about rootstock and things. I, I know that it might be too geeky for our listeners, but I'm always curious. Viognier, best known, f- obviously, for um, the Rhone region. Obviously, you got Chateau Grier up there in the north. is the one of the few appellations that are singly, uh, single estate and single grape. Um, where does this Viognier hail from? Is this something like from California? Does this come from the from no, this, France? No, this would come from France. Yeah? yeah? Yep. In- through, interesting. Through the, through the exchange program there at, uh, what's the new name for the I've forgotten the name Ant, of that. Not, not Antave. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it used to be, right? Now right. Antave. Okay, Sorry, well. <laughs> forgot the new name. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is with the beauty of radio. We can have one of our crack interns and engineers <laughs> look that up. Um, okay, let's talk about Viognier. Viognier uh, is a very, um, we'll call it a very round, fleshy, fat grape. It, the, the acidity is typically medium. Alcohol can be a little medium plus to high. Um, it does well with some oak, and it does well with some neutral barrel. Tell me about your winemaking philosophy with Viognier. I agree with all those comments about Viognier, and so our goal is to get the fruit off the vines before it's overly ripe and has the potential to have that really high alcohol. Um, so really pay attention to this block when it's starting to get ripe. Um, I really want to just capture the great aromatics that are produced in the vineyard, so we're not putting any oak on this wine. Um, we ferment it actually in the clay amphora. Hmm. Yes. Is that? Um, I had a, a guest on who made their own clay amphora. I think that was uh, trying to remember. Um, can't remember now, but maybe an Oregon winemaker. Yes. Yeah. Um, um, Becker. Know. Beck, yeah. I just know there's Beckham. an Oregon winemaker making Beckham Estates. clam for us. Beckham Estates. They <laughs> do it. Yes. Thank you for reminding me. That's great. Yeah. So where did you find yours? I mean, is this is this Home Depot or is nope. this Ikea? It came from Italy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> and um, I had the opportunity to taste somebody else's trial the year before where they had a Viognier and a clam fora and some neutral oak and stainless steel and just loved what it was doing for the wine. And so... Um, the Mercers gratefully um, agreed to go ahead and give it a try, and so we brought one in, and we've been, this was the um, second vintage, I think, we put through the clam for a, and so it's only seen Viognier. Um, it's a really deeply veed, big pot, and mm-hmm. so when you pull the lid off, when the Viognier is fermenting, you see the surface of the wine is actually turning. So you're getting some surly oh, yeah. mixing going on um, just because of the shape of the, the pot. And so the wine ends up being really round and creamy like you would get from a barrel fermentation. But the aromatics are still bright and fresh because of the lack of oak. And so it's just the best of both worlds versus you know stainless steel. So Yeah, this is delicious. Um, your acidity is, is brighter than I would expect. Is this from um, just a little earlier harvest? Yeah, we've been every year. It's always, you know. Viognier just seems to go from, you know, oh, it looks like it's about ripe to, oh, my gosh, it's overripe overnight. And so we it's it's definitely um, um, been a goal try, just trying to get it off the vine on the right time. You know, I think other varieties are more forgiving than Viognier is, and, and we just got it right in Interesting. 15. When we think of white wines, I think a lot of consumers think of uh, white grapes or green grapes. Does this, does Viognier tend to have any color like Pinot Gris, or does it turn a little burnished or red or orange? It, Yellow, like it's very much looks like Chardonnay. Okay, a beautiful golden hue. And and the clusters are they mid-sized and they set? Is is tell me about Viognier as a grape and a vine. 
I think Chardonnay tends to be a little more finicky. Viognier, um, we get pretty loose clusters. Um, I'd say medium-sized berries, but it, it's pretty prolific. Lot, you know, we'll throw a lot of fruit. Um, and so that helps us actually, you know, control the slow, slowing the ripening as well, because, it's, you know, having a little bit more fruit, it won't just spike the sugar overnight. Yeah. Rob, how many acres are you planted of Viognier, and um, what's typical yield for an acre? So we, we don't have that many planted. We're, we're about um, a 10-acre block there. And we actually hung it a little bit heavier um, in 2015, again, just because we were having this issue of it getting ripe so quickly. Hmm. So I think we were at six, a little over six tons. Yeah. So, you know, trying to, trying to kind of help the vine slow up a little bit and not, and not overdo it. So uh, I take it you don't do much green harvest then when you're hanging six tons an acre. No. Yeah. yeah. Very little. Um, fun. It's nice and fresh. It does have those that be- pretty aromatic. You get the floral and a touch of pear. Um, the acidity is nice and bright. And I see that you're using screw top here, uh, which is one of my favorites because you can sneak a bottle at night and you don't hear the pop. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you been using screw top with uh, Mercer Estates? Since we started. So we. Uh, 05. We, yes. And so, well, uh-huh. um, our first white vintage was 07. Okay. Uh, so so uh, since 07. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you said you're making 60,000 cases now, total production. How many different wines, uh, Jessica, are you producing at Mercer? I think it's 24 or 25. 25. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of those for Wine Club, I imagine, because yes. I haven't yeah. seen that many on the shelves <laughs> of any of the stores. Um, what are some of the really exciting grapes that you're, you're working with? Are you doing different blends or how do you get to 24, 25? Five different bread. Well, we have um, two different two of our reserves. One's a Southern Rhone blend, and one's a Bordeaux Bordeaux blend. And we uh, take the those varietals that we use to create those blends, and then what we have left over, say Petit Verdot or Mouved, we bottle by themselves for our wine club. So we end up with all these single bottlings of these varietals that most people never get to see on their own. Yes. Have you uh, started playing with different grapes you've never played with before? I mean, Petit Verdot is relatively um, an old grape for, for Bordeaux blends, but for being 100%, uh, you know, it's one of those new darlings of the Washington wine industry, it seems. Petit Verdot? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's a challenge. Um, not to grow so much, but for, for winemaking, it's a, it's a high acid, high tannic variety. Um, people seem to really love it, though, but, you know, it's a, it's a big wine, and it's a challenge to make it, you know, a little more tame. You sure. really need to be careful with the tannins. That's interesting because I know that I, as I see and taste uh, um, a lot of the Washington wine with uh, the wine awards and things, um, I always wondered where the uh, baseline for Petit Verdot is. We don't really have like, oh yeah, remember that Petit Verdot, the 86 vintage out of Bordeaux. No one makes Petit Verdot outside of really Washington. I haven't seen many. Have you seen any other grapes or pr- production? Not single bottlings. Yeah. And, and people seem to get really excited about it when they come into our tasting room they're excited to try a petite verdot by themselves or by itself and um it sells pretty well just you know even though it's it's a it's a big boy <laughs> i know petite verdot should be called grand Bordeaux or yeah. <laughs> grand verdot um rob let's talk about some of the soil i think you know in walla walla where my family has a vineyard we are probably you know feet and feet of uh windblown lus out there in the blues what's this, the soil uh composition in horse seven hills there yeah, it's it's kind of interesting. We're um, <clears throat> we're developing an, a new site that uh, actually has a Walla Walla soil series in it. That's um, a little bit further west of our of our main farm, um, but the the Warden silt loam is is a pretty uh, main component of of our soils, and the the difference is pretty slight. Uh, at least on the northwest side of the farm, it's uh, it's 
it's a low S soil, so it was a lake bottom soil formed during the Missoula floods, um, and it has a fairly high silt content. But the silt uh, itself is a is a is a bigger fraction than what they would, for example, have in Walla Walla. So, so it's more clay silt. Well, actually, it's the clay content is actually really similar to Walla Walla. It's very very similar, um, but the silt. The silt particles themselves are of a larger size, so it wasn't necessarily windblown. Whereas, right, right. yeah, it's yeah, more it's more deposit. of a lake lake bottom. And then in our spice cabinet vineyard, it's right down on the river's edge, on the fold of the uh, the basalt, and the, on on those folds, then it's very uh, very much a sand sandy windblown soil down there. So we have two real different uh, soils that we deal with. So it's kind of a day de stage of uh, Los, right? Yeah. <laughs> Just sort of settled down uh, during the Missoula floods. Um, the next wine you have is Rosé, and Rosé is now the preeminent wine uh, throughout the world as being um, something more than just a summer coiffer, but uh, there's so many Rosés here. What's your Rosé of, and this is the 2015 vintage, what are you producing Rosé from? It's 100% Grenache. Ah, excellent. And the great thing about this Rosé is um, it we actually grew... The, the lot, the block for rosé. So Good. It's, it's not an afterthought. Um, we, which means we you know, hung the fruit a little heavy so we could have preserved the acidity. We harvested the, the grapes when it was ripe for, for rosé. So lower bricks. 22.1. 22, yep. Yeah. Exactly. That's it. And that's the beauty of it. When you grow it for rosé, it becomes a beautiful wine. And I think um, Washington Sonnier Rosé has had its place. It's got everyone interested in a $10 pink, although it wasn't quite world-class. But we need a gateway wine, and um, Sonnier Rosé was kind of that for, for Washington wine drinkers. And we come back from this break, I'm going to go ahead and give this 100% Grenache uh, 2015 Rosé a taste. And you brought three red wines. What are the red wines? So we brought our Sharp Sisters, which is a lovely red blend, our Malbec, and our Reserve Syrah. Excellent. Um, it's here with uh, Rob Mercer, the s- chief caretaker of Mercer Estates, and Jessica Minnell, who's the in her fourth, fifth vintage this year, 2016, uh, the winemaker for Mercer Estates. And folks, you're listening to Happy Hour Radio right here on 570 KVI. We'll be right back after this break. He's back, and he's in charge. Kirby Wilbur, live and local, weekdays 9 to noon. Talk Radio 570, KVI. KVI, want to know weekends. Time for another round of Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle. Hey, welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. Time for round three, and uh, that means I have a third glass of wine to, uh, well, to taste. Degustation is how they say it in France. I've got the pleasure of having Rob Mercer, chief caretaker for Mercer Estates, and uh, the very lovely winemaker, uh, Jessica Munel, who's in her fifth vintage. We're talking about rosé, one of my favorite grapes. Uh, sorry, favorite wines. Uh, you can use you know a variety of grapes, and everyone seems to have something coming out with rosé, obviously. Cab Francs, a very popular one, Grenache, of course, and uh, Morved Senso coming out of the Provence style, which is really my favorite, and that's really the bar. So you've got Grenache here. You said you grew it for rosé, so it's been uh, grown, picked, pressed specifically for rosé. What about the yeast? Are you using a special yeast for this, Jessica? Certainly. We're using a, a yeast specifically for Grenache rosé, and um, we do machine harvest the fruit so that. We get a little bit of maceration, get a little color extraction 
in the truck on the way to the winery. So when the fruit shows up at the winery, we have this beautiful pink juice that we just drain off immediately and then put the fruit into the press, close the press up, and let it sit overnight. And that's the pneumatic press? and um, Yeah, yeah, it's our, our bladder yeah, press. Bladder yeah. press, yep. right. Yeah. And it sits overnight, huh? Interesting. This color is very, very light yes. for an overnight. And I know yeah. Grenache is the thin-skinned grape, so you're going to get some color, but... Typically, do you make a, a red still Grenache? Yes, we do. How long is that maceration? We well, That's a small lot fermentation, so it's about 10 days on the skins. Okay, so it does take a while to sort of mm -hmm. um, bring out the, the lovely color. Um, how many cases of this are you producing, and what's the price point for rosé? You're talking fourteen ninety nine, seventeen ninety nine. So this is a thousand cases, uh -huh. and price point is probably fifteen. Yeah. All right. Well, that's great, and I love the screw top, and uh, it's a lovely color, lovely label, and I love the fact that you're making it from grapes that are supposed to be grown for rosé. Um, we'll look for rosé to be uh, a world class wine because I think when you break it down, great rosé truly is something that has uh, good balance, good structure, and a great long finish. Um, this is the first rosé you've produced, or second, third? How long have you been doing rosé? This is the fourth rosé I've made. Yeah, we've been doing rosé, I think we started about three years before, so probably this is the seventh, uh, seventh vintage. Wow, wow, you're way ahead of the curve. And have you seen, obviously with sales data, you're seeing rosé now pick up, and in a thousand mm -hmm. cases, probably more than you've ever made before, I imagine. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, when we first started, I think we did... Uh, 40 cases or something, or maybe even less. Yeah, so it's it's definitely got a lot more interest uh, nationally. And and did you start it off as a project where you were going to grow it and, and pick it and press it specifically for pink? Yeah, because Good. we've always had uh, Grenache as our, our target there. Awesome. Excellent. Um, Grenache gives you that very uh, wonderful fleshy feel, mouthfeel. It's, it's, a, it's a fatter grape when it comes to rosé, um, and I like it. And this is all natural acidity, which is delicious. Um, now, on to some red wines. I know that all of our listeners love red wines, it seems, for some reason or another. I think it's because there's just more to capture um, in, in the mouth and the tannin and structure and, of course, flavor. Um, let's talk about the first red wine here. It's uh, called Sharp Sisters. Correct. All right. Tell me about the history. I see a picture on the back. It's got seven lovely ladies, uh, all with kind of the same curly hairdo, and it uh, looks like it's something out of the 1940s. Yeah, so that's my uh, grandma, Karma, yeah. was, her, was uh, her her first name, and they, they were from the Sharp family. That's the last name. So this is kind of a, a uh, ode to her and her sisters. Um, really, really fun bunch of um, a lot of characters in, in the six <laughs> sisters. And, and my grandma actually was a, was a heck of a character, too. She, um, when she married my grandfather back in the day, um, it, in the early 1900s, the, the ranch was a cattle and sheep operation. And so they actually would take the sheep in the summer over to Montana. And so she spent several summers in a teepee with my grandfather out on the on the grass ranges of Montana. So ah, so she, they were the first Brokeback Mountain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the good yes, the good kind, right? Yeah. <laughs> the one that uh, ends up with uh, grandchildren. I like yeah. that. Um, wow, that's a rugged woman to be heading out uh, to Montana and, uh, you know, tending the sheep. Did she have a, what do you call those, a staff, a crook? What do the, what the sh sheep herders have? You know, I think back in Montana they have to have a gun. A gun, <laughs> that's right, for all the coyotes yeah. and things like that. So fun. Well, this is a blend of... It's a Merlot-based blend All every right. year with a nice dose of Syrah. And then in this vintage, we had some Cab and uh, Sangiovese and Petit Verdot. Mm. All right. Mm. Well balanced in the mouth. It has some bright acidity. Um, it's pretty plush. Uh, dark red fruits, a little purple touch of blue. 
um, a little bit of smoky toffee caramel oak on this and um, a nice clean finish with uh, just a touch of that toffee on the finish with the berry um, yummy uh, and this changes every year based on you know what's uh, what's available it changes every year based on um, achieving the mouthfeel from oh, okay. when I'm putting the blends together my focus is on creating a mouthfeel that's going to make a wine that people are going to want to drink yeah and, and have again and again and so that's how we change up the the varietals that go into this blend being a red blend you know gives us a lot of freedom to to play and so the focus is what's going to create the best mouthfeel in your four years now uh, producing wine with Mercer States, have you found a wine that you're still intrigued by that you want to um, watch evolve or something surprised you? Did you make a, um, you know, like your first Petit Verdot was like, holy smokes, that was a great vintage and I did it right. Are those little things you keep in a journal, do you have some sort of pet secrets or, or little fan faves of your own in your portfolio? Yeah, we certainly keep notes of every vintage. For instance, um, something that we've, I think, nailed is um, yeast is probably have, has a bigger impact on white wines than red wines, because red wines you age in barrel and you lose the, the subtle influences that yeast provide. In white wines, you can kind of capture that. In our Sauvignon Blanc, we kept playing around with different yeast types and found, like, there's no going back. We found the one, and that's the yeast we'll use every year. Which is, it's a, it's um, Loire you know, Valley or is it, it Bordeaux? Um, it's I'm not I'm not sure actually where where it's where it originated from. It's called X Five. X Five. Sounds like an X movie. One of those. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But so that's that kind of stuff's great. Where you just have that the confidence of knowing you know you've 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 uh, figured something out. Um, I think something that's exciting um, for us is uh, the way our, our Rieslings age. We we did a vertical of our Rieslings back to 2007, and, and I thought for sure there'd be a vintage in there that was, you know, oh, let's leave that guy out. It's not showing very well. Every single year, they're just beautiful and um, haven't reached their peak, pair really well with food, so... There's there's Are a lot these, of fun. Are um, these in screw top as well, or cork finished, or screw cap? Yeah, yeah. screw cap, great. And to think that Riesling, you know, people don't age Rieslings here in Washington State. I think obviously, um, you know, we're we're buying drink uh, pretty fairly soon. Um, but Riesling is one of those grapes that uh, wines that can truly age and develop into be something really really special in that. The acidity maintains that, that uh, we'll call it freshness, but obviously with time you get the secondary and tertiary flavors and aromas coming from it. Definitely. And our, our Rieslings tend to start to develop the nice honey character, and that leads into the petrol and beeswax after maybe a year to two years. And, and then they just get more complex. But the acidity is still there, um, which makes them just really... And you made wine. Riesling at Snoqualmie, too, because I know they had some Riesling. They, they had two, I think. Mm -hmm. My, my comfort zone is definitely reds after so All many right. years with Chateau Saint-Michel and, and other ventures. So They say it's harder to make white. I agree. <laughs> I agree. All right, so on to this next red. Is this the, the Malbec? Yes. What am I tasting? This is our yes. 2014 I should know that. Malbec. I, a couple of weeks ago, I had uh, I had blind tasting uh, deductive theory here on, t on the Happier Radio, and I got three for three. Well, nice. So I should know what I'm doing here. All right, so, yeah. Let's talk about Malbec. Malbec... Um, an ubiquitous grape from uh, the south of France, but also of obviously Argentina, and they've been able to, to produce a superb world-class standard of Malbec. Washington has gravitated because our consumers really like Malbec. I wasn't always sure if it was going to sell because Argentina, you can get a $15 world-class Malbec, but Washington, we have a little higher price point. Um, but it's working out. I think people really like Washington wines and love Washington Malbec. 
We agree. We've we've had a lot of great acclaim with our Malbec. Um, we've had three small blocks at our lovely Spice Cabinet Vineyard. Each is a different clone. We love them all, prefer one particular clone. And so we've taken that and we're, we're running with it. We've planted a, a larger vineyard and you know, we're we're making uh, Malbec in in uh, our reserve tier in our right. Mercer States and in our Mercer Canyon. So, well, and Malbec there are hundred dollar Malbecs coming out of Argentina too. So there's lots of uh, ceiling room. Um, Rob, do you um, how how do you guys price point your wines? Are you looking at a specific business model, or do you know? I'm always curious about that when it comes to wine. What are your reds running? Yeah. So well, we we actually have a, a kind of a three tier price point. So we're 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 usually focused on kind of the market market segment that you want so are you looking for restaurants are you wanting to be on the bottle list versus the glass pour and then you've got to go back step into okay what's what's the the profile of the wine that you're looking for and so we're just trying to um, make sure we're well represented where we can be in in all of those areas cool what's a website that we can uh, go investigate your offerings and learn more mercerwine.com mercerwine.com great we have one more wine to taste speaking of mercer wine and the last one will be a Syrah is that correct? yes correct. excellent correct. so when we come back from this break folks we're going to uh, taste uh, the Mercer Estates Syrah and uh, if you want to send us an email send it to ask at happyhourradio.net and if you're in the Twitter sphere check it out happy at happy HR radio we'll be right back on <laughs> 570 KVI Start your day the right way. John Carlson, live and local, 6 to 10 a.m. Talk Radio 570, KVI. You're in the know with KVI Want to Know Weekends. Here's more Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, folks, welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. Time for round four, our final segment. And that means I've got my the final wine in my glass. And uh, I've got two great guests. I've got Jessica Munell, um, a... Winemaker extraordinaire from, uh, well, she's been in Australia, Shadow San Michel, Snoqualmie, and now with Mercer Estates. And Rob Mercer, the chief caretaker who's in charge of the, all those vineyards and uh, all those grapes and much, much more. Um, let's talk about the Syrah. Syrah, let's see, I think the first Syrah vineyard was Red Willow in 1986, maybe, something like that. Yeah. And... Uh, that means we're celebrating 30 years now of Syrah in Washington State. Is that right? Is that that sounds about right. Yeah, <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. good. Um, and we've gone through um, quite the history of, of making Syrah. I think we all, I should say, early on, we made it just like Cabernet Sauvignon, two years of new French oak, and it's just like, wow, we had to wait to, to, to dig into that wine in those days. But now we realize that Syrah is a, a much more delicate grape. Um, let's talk about how you make Syrah. Um, there's some special clones of Syrah out there uh, uh, using Joseph Phelps. Is that one of the ones? Or where do you get your Syrah? Is this Cote Roti? Is this a suitcase clone? What is it? Yeah, so we have, um, geez, we have three different clones. I believe this one is Phelps, isn't it? This yeah, is this, cabinet. Yeah, so this is a Phelps clone. Excellent. Um, and... Your your winemaking style. You use twenty percent new oak. You're using large fudra. Using stems or jacks. Uh, whole cluster. We're what doing a little bit of stems, um, adding back to the to the fermentation. This is um, actually the first harvest off of a block from our spice cabinet vineyard. So young young vines, um, just phenomenal fruit um, that 
you know, quickly we realized it's beginning, going to become a reserve um, source, and it continues. That block has continued to be in 14 and 15 vintage will be our, our, the base for our reserve Syrah. Interesting. So this is the reserves. This is mm-hmm. this has got a beautiful mouthfeel, very um, lithe and voluptuous at the same time. And uh, the structure there has um, is just moderate plus acidity. Uh, the tannin is just. It's still a little tight, but it has that um, mouthfeel that makes you go, okay, I can drink it. It's, it's showing some of it, but not all of it. Right. So it's, it's <laughs> g- kind of big. It's got some of that um, you know, smoked meat, bacon going on, a uh, little campfire from the barrel aging, and then this lovely layer of violets on the nose that I think makes it really intriguing. Yeah, that's what's great about Syrah. It's got mm-hmm. um, just, you know, it makes your mouth water, but it's also so pretty And when you taste it. And I like your barrel program. Um, this is, what, 20, 10% new note oak? 20%? No, we're actually probably closer to 50% really? new French oak on it's, this. And it's holding mm-hmm. very well. It's it's not uh, obviously uh, overdone and, and showing me a stringency from, from the wood tannin. Um, Rob, how many barrels are you guys buying every year? That's actually probably a better question for Jessica. We're we're replacing. We're doing about a one third of yeah. the barrels, so we're putting uh, about a thousand new barrels. Yeah, so three hundred yeah, thousand. <laughs> Excellent. And where can we find uh, MercerWine dot com? Where can we find all the wines? Uh, obviously, you're, you've got great presence here uh, in the two hundred six. We do, yeah. Um, so you know, we're we're definitely uh, statewide. Uh, actually, we're in uh, forty eight of the of the fifty markets in the U S. Um, QFC. So what are you missing, Hawaii? We're missing the Dakotas, actually. The Dakotas, all <laughs> <Yes>. right. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, my brother would make sure we're not missing Hawaii. Oh, right, yeah, because yeah, he's the, a national sales manager <laughs> or something. Right. That's right. Very cool. Um, so MercerWine.com, uh, we can learn all about the summer solstice uh, happening next weekend, uh, June 18th, out at the winery. You're going to have a bunch of different wines pouring. You're going to have some music, and you're going to dance around and celebrate the the longest day of the year. That's the right. longest days of the year, which in Washington is a huge uh, huge advantage for us in the grape growing. It is. Right. Isn't it great already? I mean, mm-hmm. just you wake up at 5. I wake up at 5, and it's, it's light out, and I go to bed at well, I don't know when I go to bed, but <laughs> it tends to be dark out. Um, hey, this has been great. I really appreciate uh, you joining me and uh, sharing your wines. How many wines do you say you're making? 24 wines. What's the wine that someone's got to go out and find? Our Malbec. The Malbec, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so exciting. And you said you planted new vines for Malbec, so this is one of your tier or one of the uh, labels that you're going to really base we're, your yeah, sales folks on. We got three different uh, vineyard sites with different uh, their own different terroir and uh, three different clones that we're working with. So we Tasting rooms. Of- uh, in Prosser. Prosser. Yeah. Okay. And the hours are uh, Wednesday Tuesday? Through, Wednesday through Sunday, um, 10 to 5. 10 to 5. And uh, you've got food at the tasting room. You can go have a good time, a little picnic, and taste of the yes. wines. Excellent. Come, come see us. All right. So that's uh, MercerWine.com. And if you're on the Twitter sphere, it's uh, at Mercer Estates. And, of course, I'm at Happy HR Radio. Uh, Rob Mercer and Jessica Minnell, thanks so much for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. Thanks for having us. Hey, uh, this has been great. Uh, I really enjoy the wines. Um, And I look forward to tasting more of them. Thank you for supporting the Seattle Wine Awards. Those results uh, were just posted, and I know you did well, I'm sure. Um, Well, hey, folks, uh, if you're out and about, uh, make your way out to the Eastern Washington and check out Prosser. Uh, they got tasting rooms galore, and you must check out Mercer Estates. Uh, It's mercerwine.com. They're right next to Hogue and Alexander Nicole Sellers, so you're bound to have a good time. I'll see you again next weekend right here on 570 KVI at 6 o'clock. If you ever miss a show, don't forget, check out our website. It's at uh, happyhourradio.net. And remember, 
Life is always better with a designated driver. Cheers! <laughs>